welcome back to The Mason Jar here on the Cersei Institute Podcast Network. I'm David Kern. And as always here in The Mason Jar, I'm joined by Cindy Rollins. Cindy, how's it going? It's going very well. I'm excited about all the preparations for Thanksgiving and then the preparations for Advent. Yeah, and that's what we're going to talk about on today's show. We're going to have a series of episodes kind of built around um, or based off of, I guess, the Advent guide that that you edited. And up today, we are going to be discussing um, Advent with one of your uh, best friends. So you want to talk about Lynn Bruce a little bit? Yeah, Lynn Bruce. Um, originally, Lynn is um, she's the one of the founding members of Ambleside Online, and that group of ladies has been together for twenty years. But the interesting thing is that um, I've had all the Ambleside advisory members on um, on the Mason Jar, but the very first one I asked to be on the Mason Jar was Lynn. And she's my good friend, but she has said no every time, but now we have snagged her. So I'm pretty happy that we finally got um, um, the coup of getting Lynn on the mason jar. <laughs> well, yeah, Lynn contributed uh, an essay to to the Advent Guide, to Hallelujah. Um, and so we wanted to have her on to discuss some of her traditions that she brings with her to celebrating Advent, what she grew up with, and what she's incorporated into her home. Um, and then you talked for a nice long while with her. It was fun to talk to Lynn because she does have a rich background in, of celebration. Yeah, but that, of course, what we want to do is we want to um, talk to a number of different people who contributed to the Advent Guide. So if you go over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash The Mason Jar, we are going to be posting some interviews with each of the different contributors to the Hallelujah books. So that includes Greg Wilbur and Dr. Brian Phillips and includes Carrie Williamson. And um, who else did we talk to? We talked to my mom. Um, I think that covers yeah, it, Yeah, right? we talked to you and your mom. Yeah, I think we've talked to everybody who contributed um, to the to the Hallelujah book. Yeah, so we're going to post some of those conversations over as bonus episodes. Um, and if, if you want to get access to that content, um, we're beefing up, so to speak, the uh, bonus content over on the Patreon page. So again, that's patreon.com slash The Mason Jar. And you can get access to those, those uh, conversations uh, for... I think any level of giving, even you know, two dollars, two dollars a month, gets you access to those. So uh, you can get great content and also support the show and uh, help us continue to make uh, make great content. Hey, Cindy, before we before we go though, before we kick it over to the conversation with Lynn, what is one um, Christmas or Advent tradition that you are most looking forward to this year? I mean, you've got, you don't have as many children at home. So I'm sure things are a little bit different than they were years ago. But what is one thing that you are really looking forward to um, celebrating this year? Maybe you've been on your mind. Well, I really, really enjoy just having a morning devotion with some kind of Advent devotional. Um, I I will go through the Hallelujah thing all by myself, (laughs) uh, and I look forward to that. But I have books by Malcolm Geit. I have books by, I just got a book that is not so much a Christian book, but it's um, Nigel Slater's Christmas, uh, Winter Beautiful Volume by that. So I'll Mm -hmm. read that every morning, Just, just being able to sit in the quiet and peace of the holiday. For for me, it's quiet and peaceful. And I have to embrace that because um, if I think, oh, it's not what it used to be, then I'll be really sad and I don't want to be sad. So I'm just going to have to embrace those quiet, joyful moments of sipping my coffee, watching the Christmas tree and, um, and reading some really good um, 
thoughtful books on the on the season. Hmm. I was going to say, there's probably a lot of people who are listening who are like, man, I wish I had a I I I quiet. <laughs> so I guess that's the thing. You got to lean into whatever season God's put, God's given you, right? Yeah. As I said that, I thought, well, this isn't fair to the, all the moms who are not going to have a quiet, a peaceful <laughs> season. So sorry, you you just have to wait and then it'll be super quiet and um, you can just enjoy it at that point. Um, it will come, believe me. And, and you won't, it won't be, you know, it is a little bittersweet. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I guess with that, we're gonna we don't need to give too much of an intro to this conversation with Lynn. So I'm gonna kick it over to to Lynn now. But uh, thanks to Lynn for being on. Thanks to everyone who's been listening. And again, if you want to get all the bonus conversations, you can do that over at uh, our Patreon page, and I'll put the link in the show description as well. So thanks to Lynn for being on, and thanks to you, of course, Cindy, for uh, doing this conversation with her. Yeah, and Lynn has sent us a bunch of links, so we'll put yep. those up, and we'll yep. have it'll be great. All right, yep. thanks everybody. Yeah, thanks everybody. Okay, I am here on the mason jar today with uh, my good friend, Lynn Bruce. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. You can read about her at Ambleside online if you if you want to read a little more about her. But um, And you can also read about her at, in the um, book that we're going to be talking about a little bit today, Hallelujah, A Journey Through Advent with Handel's Messiah. But Lynn is a Texas girl. She grew up on a wheat and cattle farm in Texas. Her father was a minister. Her mother was a voice major. And all of this, of course, has affected her life. Um, Through her early exposure, she developed a lifelong relationship with the fine arts and great literature. And um, she went on to college. She went to Texas Tech University, where she graduated magna cum laude with a BS in education. And she taught special ed in the public school for a little while. Um, In 1995, she began to study the writings of Charlotte Mason. And many of you know her because of that. She went on to be um, one of the founding members of Ambleside Online. Um, Lynn and her husband, Dan, have graduated three children from their homeschool, Caitlin, Claire, and Justin. And you can find Lynn on, on Instagram at Lynn Louise PB. And Lynn does not have an E. So welcome to the podcast, Lynn. Hey, thanks. It's great to be here. Yeah, I was very excited about talking to you. You helped when we we collaborated a little bit on the book, Hallelujah, which we'll just call Hallelujah from here on out, not (laughs) <laughs> refer to it as it's in its entirety, but it is it is a walk um, through Advent with Handel's Messiah. But the reason I wanted to talk to you today is I thought we could, um, as the book is getting republished, get getting re um, put Yay! out there again. Yes, <laughs> uh, we we could just talk a little bit about Christmas, Advent, uh, your family life, the things that uh, you know that that affected you, or or the things that you brought into your family um, through through your holidays over the years. so Oh, well, this is one of my very favorite things to talk about because I am a Christmas girl. (laughs) Now, were you born in December or? I was. I was born in December. And I think that just the sight of of trees and lights and the sound of Christmas music, I I, I think that I absorbed very early (laughs) in the first few weeks of life that this is normal. (laughs) <laughs> but this is jo- there's a jo- what is your well I won't ask you what your birthday is on here because David and I also share a December birthday so we're just a jolly group today <laughs> I think we're actually all in the same week okay that's what I was thinking yeah. too and you, and I you share the- a birthday with my daughter Claire 
Oh, fun, fun. And yeah. We, yeah. and and we all um yeah, so that's and we we actually share a birth year, I'm pretty sure. So um, I think that's right, but we don't need to talk about that. I know. That, <laughs> my little student today, he was saying he wanted to find out what year I was born in. He's scrolling through this thing and I'm like, Drake, it's way <laughs> you gotta keep scrolling for a long time. <laughs> it yeah. is getting further and further down the scroll. <laughs> so I thought I thought we go, but first I thought we go back in time and we talk about your family growing up and then we would move forward in time and then we maybe end up on how, how you homeschooled through the holidays. But what, what are some of your earliest memories uh, besides the twinkle lights when you were a week or two old? <laughs> um, what are some of your earliest memories from your own childhood of, of Advent or Christmas? Well, I mean, I've, I've always loved Christmas, but Christmas when I was a child was very different from the way we observe it now mm. in my family. And it was it was always an over the river and through the woods thing when I was a child to get to one set of grandparents first and then the other. And I don't remember ever once being home on Christmas Day when I was a child. And I, I don't really regret that. I have um, a lot of gratitude. I'm very glad for the, the deep, deep love that that was available to me and that I got to, you know, grow in those relationships with my grandparents and with all my cousins. So that's not a regret. But, you know, when I entered into my adult life, something that I really, really longed for was to be at home for Christmas. And so as soon as I was able, um, I kind of uh, made sure that our house became the hub for for Christmas and my parents and others, you know, would come to our house instead. And and then I really got to indulge my <laughs> my love for all the twinkle and the sparkle and the glitter. And then um when Dana and I first got married though, I think like a lot of of young couples, we really had to kind of find our way because the, that first Christmas we were together, frankly, it was a shock for both of us. Um in in his family, he had he had a small family, not a lot of cousins, not a lot of grandparents left, and not a lot of siblings. And so his family, the first time that I went to one of their holiday um, observances, it, it was just, it was so sedate and so leisurely. <laughs> there was, a, you know, velour lounge pants and homemade eggnog and they were they would just they just sat and visited and sort of slowly unwrapped packages over the day and i kept thinking when does it start <laughs> <laughs> my family though i think was a bigger shock for dan he was i mean he was gobsmacked just sort of exhausted um my family was this packed house full of exuberant storytellers if you can imagine that yes and I a can. lot of <laughs> A lot of very loud laughing and gift wrap flying through the air. And there were so many of us that, pardon me, when we started unwrapping gifts, it was like, you know, it, when you got through opening your gift, the next guy had to go because we had a lot of ground to cover. And I just remember looking over at Dan and he was pale. He was just <laughs> like he couldn't find any <laughs> air to breathe in this room. And then um, our church life as it related to Christmas, you know, the background was, was very different too. And we had to kind of find our way there for Dan, you know, it was uh, Christmas in church. It was a very 
large traditional church and robed choirs and trumpets and, you know, singing gloriously across all the Sundays of Advent. And then they had a beautiful Christmas Eve candlelight service with the traditional gospel lessons and carols, which that was all new to me. And I love it to this day. Um, But in my own faith heritage, church observance of holidays was far more simple and spare, except when it came time um, for our congregation to sing old carols in four-part harmony. And then it was just, it was spine tingling. I mean, the beauty Mm. and joy that rang out from the pews was just transporting and exhilarating. And so we used to joke that Dan's church was organs and mine was organic. (laughs) (laughs) So we had very different traditions, but both of our traditions were filled with beautiful singing and that that was our common ground and so that's that's kind of where we began now does dan sing in uh, four-part harmony with with you guys dan he you know he does he did not at first mm-hmm. and i go around the house singing hymns all the time and i think when we first got married he, he thought that was strange but he does it now so he's got a beautiful voice actually he was in choir you know, in high school. So he jumped right in there. He loves it. Wow. That's really neat. So you both kind of, so you, your church traditions were very different, but you both adapted to each other, but your, your own home traditions now were there. So you, you, you really started many of your own traditions at that point since, um, and, and I don't want to skip over what you said at first, because I think that was absolutely wonderful that your family, the tradition was to go to see the grandparents as mm-hmm. a, as a grandmother. I really, <laughs> I, I support that tradition, <laughs> but, but I see the value in that even beyond, I, Many of our family members are the same way. We like we all like to be at home for Christmas, so um, you know that's sort of taken over. And we, we because we all love it so much, we all want to make our own little um, ecstatic holiday in our home. But there is a wonderful thing, even apart from building your own traditions in your own home, of going forth to grandmother's house, as you said. And um, oh, so exciting, so exciting! And you know, I just remember. The smells, just walking in that house and and the smell of all the food and everything is just, it's so exciting to me even now. And they've been gone for, you know, years. But my grandparents um, were also very different in the way they observed um, Christmas. My, my, my dad's mom, Christmas was like this enormous party. And I wrote about her in uh, Hallelujah. And um, I mean, just... She just really pulled out all the stops. My other grandmother, they, um, it was just so different. They didn't really decorate and they never bought us gifts. Mm. But the way they showed their, you know, their Christmas love for us was food. I mean, mm. they, yes, just the food was out of this world. And it was a lot of um, feasting together and sitting around and telling stories and, and singing. They were a singing family as well. That's my mother's family. And, but just a lot of laughter and a lot of sitting around the dining table for hours, but very, very different. And uh, so I got to see, you know, different ways of, of celebrating and that, that was useful too. I think as far as having, you know, the kids um, come to you, 
that is just something that, that has to be worked out. You know, um, I've seen a lot of families compromised by, you know, the family with the small children, they have their Christmas day at home, but then maybe the next day they go to grandma's. And I think that can work. That can work beautifully too. Yeah, we, we always, we've always had Thanksgiving as a major holiday and then Christmas, the week after Christmas, we kind of all trickle in here. Um, now what you mentioned your, the, your family, the one family, their, their traditions were food. Do you make any of the recipes that your grandmothers made at that back then? Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I, I am, I am definitely I mean, it's all about the food. It's funny because when I was getting ready for this podcast and kind of thinking about uh, going back over all those years when my children were small, I asked all three of my kids, what really stands out for you about what we did at Christmas? And of course, I got three very different answers, but my son just said, the food. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> all about the food. And they're, my kids are such traditionalists. And I think I talked about that in Hallelujah as well. If they've done it once, it's a tradition and it has to be done every year after that. So you better be really sure that you want to keep something sustainable if you ever started even once with my kids. But our, our holiday menu for the, I mean, like a week around Christmas is carved in stone. And I, boy, I tell you what, I I better not even think about changing anything. There've been a couple of years when I've said, why don't we skip? you know, the Roquefort grapes, or why don't we skip the cheese ball? And it's like, uh, I mean, the blowback is pretty remarkable. (laughs) Yes, yes. I I do. I do uh, some of the things that my grandmothers did, but I definitely branched out and started other things, you know, other dishes and baking and all of that. Yeah, when the one when the dish comes and it's so good that it stays and then over the years um how how many dishes keep staying it can be quite daunting when when it Oh yeah, I mean we've got a menu for Christmas day of course, but then there's one for Christmas Eve and it's all three meals have to be a certain thing and then of course my kids call the day before Christmas Eve Christmas Adam <laughs> and there's there's food that has to be eaten on Christmas Adam as well. And of course, all this time that we're keeping this going, we're having to cook ahead, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's just a <laughs> it's quite a production. I have these big pieces of butcher paper that I tack up on the wall in the kitchen that we call the feasty flow chart. And every year we make one that covers what needs to be done on what day and who needs to do this. And anyway, I would wow. lose my mind. To do that. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a great idea. There you go. There's, that's a fantastic <laughs> idea. Um, yeah, I just, yeah. So I had boys. So a lot of uh, my, the work that I had to do came down to, um, you know, me, I could give them jobs like peel potatoes, but um, I didn't have as much uh, help in the kitchen. Oh, uh, I, I don't know how you fed all those guys. Seriously, Cindy. Yeah, it was interesting. I don't even remember how I fed them now. It's like gone. Oh, yeah. I think it was a little post-traumatic uh, for forgetfulness. Selective amnesia. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you sit down to make two sandwiches now, you probably feel like you failed. Oh, I know. I'm like, is, that's <laughs> that was easy, you know. <laughs> but no, just uh, getting used to the grocery situation changing has been the most interesting thing but it's uh, kind of fun though isn't it oh, I mean yeah. you can actually do takeout now yes we can we can we go out to eat and we're <laughs> like it costs the same as you know it would have cost uh, to have 
you know, it's just so much cheaper. We can afford it. Alex, we go through the drive-thru and I can say, do you want a milkshake? When and all those years before, the only thing anybody ever got was uh, water. <laughs> yeah, they could either have milkshakes or go to college, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but now I thought, I thought one thing that would be really interesting from your perspective is, because I've had this question asked to me recently, um, when with the holidays approaching, and the holidays really, really start approaching quite early. I mean, because there's so much preparation to do for Thanksgiving, and 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 you know, the, the, you have the whole um, Halloween time, and then then you're you know you're getting starting to get more and more festive, and then you have you know all of December. How do you, how did you handle that when you were homeschooling? Well, we never really did a whole lot for Halloween. It is a it's a community event in a lot of neighborhoods, and it is for us as well. So even though I, I don't really love the holiday, um, you know, we would always be out in the yard just to talk to our neighbors and meet their children. I think that's that's a good thing to do. Um, Thanksgiving, I I just always took a few days off, and I was always just, you know, big on scheduling. I love making schedules for school. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of miss that. I love, you know, putting all the little boxes on the computer and making them all work. But when I did my scheduling over the summer, I always knew that um, the holidays were going to be important and they were going to be really a different, a different kind of, I don't want to say schooling, but a different kind of life experience, you know, and the, the atmosphere and the discipline and the life of a home, the holidays were very, very important to me. And so I I sort of chunked out time for that, but at the same time, I didn't really um, I didn't really rule it out as school time. In other words, if you're counting your 180 days of the year, I felt like there was a lot of great wisdom sharing and life learning that happened during those holiday times. And you know, there were a lot of those days in there that I would say, yeah, they learned a lot today. We're going to call this a school day Mm -hmm. as far as checking off the boxes. So I just, I just planned ahead for that. And um, in December, December in, in my planning for school, I always kind of looked at that as, um, like I said, it's still school time, but it's a different kind of learning. And it's interesting. I asked Caitlin, my daughter, Caitlin Beecham, I asked her yesterday, what is, what is your memory of what we did school-wise in December? And she, you know, it's funny, she kind of drew a blank. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I thought, yes, I pulled it off. They yeah. didn't realize that I had intentions set and that I, you know, I kind of had an agenda. It just felt like life. It felt like what we did. But I think, I think as she, you know, begins to raise older children, she will see that there were a lot of intentions set in that time. And they actually learned a lot in that time. I just felt like de- December, and, you know, we always did school probably through the first week of December. But when we got to birthday week, I was done. Yes. Done. It was time to hang the twinkle lights and go crazy. But December's were always like a time spent out of time. Mm-hmm. And it, it was when I, I wanted us all to kind of step into a better world for three weeks or so. And so 
I turned everything over to joy and delight in December. And it's a really nice break mid-year. Um, you know, that, that fall semester, it's so much effort just getting a good school year going. And I think by December, you really need this, this big dose of loveliness. And I always looked at it that way. You know, I, I kind of always looked at our Decembers as um, a mini semester. Mm-hmm. And when I was thinking about this yesterday, how to, how to describe my train of thought for December, I remembered um, when we heard Wendell Berry speak in Kentucky several years back during the, the tornado conference, yes. <laughs> um, he said something that night that just really impressed me, it's really stayed with me. And it was this idea, and you may be able to sort of fill in the chinks for me here for what I may not remember correctly, but it was this idea that he wanted for high school seniors to be required to take a class, and it would be a class called homecoming. And this would be a class where they they became members of their local community where they would spend time talking to the old people and learning their history and their stories and even things like scientifically like learning about the soil in the area where they lived and what grows in it and how to grow it and what trees are native to to your region and wildflowers local fauna what what kind of livestock grows around you know is is raised around here um, to learn your regional history and go visit your landmarks. And in essence, what he's saying is that he wanted, before they left home, he wanted them to have a sense of place and that thing he always calls membership and to know where they came from and how they can bless and be blessed there now and possibly in the future. So, in other words, they would know when they left home what they could come back to. Mm. And it, honestly, if you think about it in Charlotte Mason terms, what he's describing there is a class in the science of relations. Mm. Because yes. it would be forming relationships with everything that's where you came from. And that's kind of, in a, in a sort of a, a going around the corner way, that is kind of how I always thought about our Decembers when my children were home. I, I had a purpose for the Christmas season, but it was different from ordinary school. It was like a mini semester in homecoming. That is, that and, is beautiful. And just delighting in home. And, you know, that lovely line in Joy to the World, repeat the sounding joy. Mm. And so it was like repeating that sounding joy of the story of where Jesus came from how he left home so we can all go home and remembering who we are and how we can bless and be blessed and remembering that Christmas and Advent, Christ coming here, it was all for our homecoming. So it, like I said, it was, for me, it was just a a time spent out of time to magnify and, and give highest priority to homecoming, which meant for us feasting, which I think is also very biblical Mm-hmm. And just having fun with your family. So every morning started with the fireplace and Christmas lights were on when the children woke up. I had carols playing. We had hot tea ready, something fun to eat, candles were lit. So that's the house they woke up in. And that atmosphere was was very important to me. And I would put 
you know, I'd put the math away, <laughs> which is always <laughs> that's a holiday in itself. And sometimes I would set up a puppet theater in the corner of the living room. And that, let me tell you what, young mothers hear me. <laughs> a puppet theater is the sneakiest way to get narrations out of your kids. So if you're not, you know, if you're taking a break from school, set up the puppet theater and they're going to narrate all through that break and they're not even going to realize they're doing it. Wow. That's... So we just did a lot of little stuff. I, I, they always had these little fake trees about 18 inches high that I kept in the attic and I would give each their, each of the children their own little tree for their bedroom and they could do whatever they wanted with it. And so some days, you know, I'd go in my son's room and it would be Thomas the Tank Engine all over his tree and, you know, the girls would have, I don't know, they, they just would shove stuff in their trees and the next day they'd change it. They had a good time with that and it persuaded them to leave my tree alone. <laughs> that was a very good idea. <laughs> and then I just, you know, we did, we'd bundle up and go to the botanical gardens, which you don't really think about doing in the winter, but what a nature study lesson. Mm. We would take a wagon load of blankets and a thermos of hot tea and you know, I would talk to them about the bones of a garden and how it, there's a certain beauty in a botanical garden in the winter because you can you can see the the scaffolding of the garden and um, that's just you know the blank palette. Mm -hmm. We'd go caroling. Um, we had lots of unhurried hours of the children cooking alongside me and. Mm. And learning how, and that is so, so important. Everybody's got to eat. That's a skill you've got to have. Mm. But a lot of times in the regular school year, we just, you know, we're just, you know, Cindy, you know better than I do. You're just shoving food out just as fast as you can go. And there's not a lot of time for leisurely cooking and teaching. So I did a lot of that in December. And over the years, you know, I gradually taught them how to pull off a whole week of family feasting and they both, you know, I don't know that Justin could do it. Although I say that he was grub master for his boy scout troop. He's an Eagle scout now and he had to feed an entire troop on camping trips. So maybe he wow. could. Well, he probably maybe could. I should turn it over to him. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a but, good idea. Yes. Yeah. But they can both do it. They made a lot of handcrafted gifts in December. We always did those orange pomanders with the, where you oh, stick yes. the clothes yeah. in. Yeah, I did those too for years. Yeah, they, you have to have a thimble. It hurts your finger. Oh, do you? Well, <laughs> that would have helped me a lot. Instead, I <laughs> didn't have a thimble. Yeah, we learned to get a, a sewing pen and make mm -hmm. the hole and then stick it in or else your ah, thumb is bleeding. what a great idea. Now, maybe yeah. I wouldn't have quit doing that if I had. Uh, we still do our popcorn and cranberries and some of my kids do prop popcorn and cranberries too, but that's a little bit easier. <laughs> Do you know, we've never done popcorn and cranberries. I don't know why, but we definitely did the pomander balls to give to people. That's a great gift to just make a bunch of them and then give them to, you know, the, the widows in your church or whatever. Um, the girls just did all kinds of crazy things, though. They, I remember one time I left home to go run an errand, and while I was gone, they got in the gift wrap. And they got out gold ribbon and white tissue paper and they just started doing all this crazy stuff. And when I came home, they had hung a garland of angels made out of this white tissue paper from like one Christmas light to the other. And it looked like ghosts. <laughs> 
but we've still got them. They're the Christmas ghost angels. And uh, they just did all kinds of stuff like that. There was a lot of singing. It was a good time for them to just play their instruments instead of practice. Right, right. That's very different. They usually had recitals. And then I would have them write cards and letters to people. You know, we're not doing copy work or dictation, but keep the hand moving. Mm -hmm. So I would have them write cards and letters and we would try to have a few times of showing hospitality and doing something kind of secret and wonderful for a neighbor and uh, spend a lot of time looking through family photo albums and telling family stories and of course reading a lot of, you know, Christmas books, but all of that is so valuable and it is learning. And I, you know, I would not call that time off from school. I mean, you're not mm-hmm. doing math and science, but that's life learning. These are, these are things that, you know, teach your children how to be, you know, what kind of, a, what kind of a life to live. I mean, you know, the whole Charlotte Mason thing is, is not just discipline. It's also atmosphere in life. And if you were to ask my kids now, what did you do in your homeschool in, you know, October, what did you do in your homeschool in February? They might not remember, but if you ask them what we did in December, they would be able to tell you. Wow. So um, I was thinking about this when you were talking about that, because with, with the Anvil side online, don't, isn't there like a two, two week break where no one on the forums and the aren't up during the holiday season? Right. We shut those down on purpose and just sort of to encourage. We've been doing that since the very beginning. Um, We shut down for a couple of weeks, closed down the forum. Um, Not really sure what we do with the Facebook group, if that shut down or not, but it's just to sort of set a, set an example and set a tone that this, this is not, this is not that kind of time you need to, you need to turn inward. You know, um, I, I always think about a circle of people holding hands and there's, there's a time for holding hands facing the center and there's a time for holding hands facing outward. Mm. And I feel like, you know, on the forum and so forth, that's, that's a lot of time where you're holding hands facing outward and, and communicating with, with other people about, you know, your homeschooling. But if we shut down that forum, it used to be the old email list that we shut down then that sort of removed that temptation. You know, it, it, I feel like it freed up hours for those women to, you know, face inward on that circle and just, just enjoy their families and have time to feast and not feel like they were missing out, you know, on something on the forum. Well, let me ask you a couple of favorites questions. Um, okay. So what do you, well, we'll go back to food first. Do you have a favorite Christmas food or drink? Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> we, that could be another podcast. I mean, I could talk about food all day. And it's funny because I was thinking, Cindy's going to ask me what's, what's my favorite book to read at Christmas. And, and honestly, I'm so I'm so caught up on in other things at Christmas. I don't get a lot of reading done, but I thought, honestly, if I'm sitting with the book in my lap 
during December, it's probably Nigella Lawson's Christmas cookbook. Oh, <laughs> yes. That would be yes. really nice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. She is something else. She has those holidays down, I'm pretty sure. Um, well, but not like we do. I mean, you know, we're Texans, which means that Christmas Eve, you have to have tamales and you mm. have to have tortilla soup. So that's, that's oh. Christmas Eve lunch. And, um, then Christmas day we do, uh, my husband grills a big tenderloin and we have roasted potatoes with garlic and mint and we have braised shallots and we, you know, it, it's just delicious. It's, it's a great meal, but the, I think the trick is the things that we eat at Christmas, I don't cook them the rest of the year. Yes. Ever. Yes. Right. Ever. Yeah. If I made tortilla soup. In October, I think my family would probably refuse to eat it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It would be out of place. Right. Yes, um, well, we well, well, you'll have to send me your recipe. <laughs> well, do you know what? I've actually started putting together um, all of our holiday recipes and stuff in, in a Scrivener file so that I can um, mm-hmm. have that bound and give it to my children. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, so maybe I'll just write you down for a copy. There you go. Yes, thank you very much. (laughs) Birthday gift. Yeah. Um, So what about your songs? What are your, I I know you probably have more than one, but what's your favorite? What what are your favorite Christmas songs to sing? Well, this is where it's going to get quirky and weird because I, um, I guess if you, if you uh, wanted to pick a song that's like in a hymnal, the common ones, it would probably be joy to the world. Yeah. Um, to me, that just expresses the whole business of Christmas. And I have funny, funny memories of my little bitty girls trying to sing joy to the world. And um, one day I overheard them. I mean, they're tiny, right? They're preschoolers at this point. And I heard them just singing at the top of their lungs in the bathtub. Joy to the girls. The Lord is fine. Oh, Yes. <laughs> And then wow. the, other, the other great line they messed up was, and heaven makes you sing uh, instead of in heaven and nature sing. Wow. So that's, that's probably my favorite. But beyond that, I think, you know, we've got Christmas music that we play in the house that's, you know, pretty, pretty ordinary Christmas music. But we really like the old world, you know, the old English carols and the old Celtic carols and you know we probably listen to a lot of Christmas music that other people wouldn't find Christmassy um I would say the one that just makes me stop in my tracks when it's playing in my living room and I always get a lump in my throat and tears in my eyes is um the Wexford lullaby Mm, yes with but this one is different this one is rewritten in a I guess it's Irish, so, but I think it's rewritten in um, sort of a Protestant way. So it's not, it's not so much, you know, Marian, but it's, um, it's Words and Music by John Renborn. And if you wanted to find this, I think if you searched YouTube for the words Voice Squad Wexford Lullaby, not Wexford Carol. Okay. You would find it, and it's just, it's sung by this um, woman, her name is Gaelic, and it's got, it's got a hundred letters in it, but it's pronounced Mairid Nihono, 
And And you have no idea how you spelled that. (laughs) Oh, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even start to, (laughs) to do that. But I have this on an album and I can't remember right now if it's a Celtic, a Christmas Celtic sojourn, or if it's an album called Comfort and Joy. But, um, oh, it's just, it's just magnificent. And if we had all day, I'd read you the lyrics, but um, that one, and then I also love the Wexford Carol done by Yo-Yo Ma and Alison Krauss, because there's this magic moment in there where, you know, the coming of the Christ child is heralded with bagpipes. What? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we're Scots, we Bruce's, so we love those bagpipes. But, um, you know, we always play, we always play the Messiah. We have several different CDs of the Messiah, and I have my favorites. Um, Christmas Eve, we always play the Nine Lessons and Carols by the Choir of King's College at Cambridge. And that's that's just a tradition that I would never skip now. Yes, um, I have that one also and I make Isn't sure. it yeah, wonderful? It really is. I just I just love those little choir boy voices that just sound like angels. And then if we have, you know, we have people over for dinner, we um, almost always pick Christopher Parkening on um, classical guitar with Kathleen Battle and the name of the CD is Angel's Glory. Do you have that one? Um, no, I don't think I have that one. Oh, you have to have this one. And of course, we've got, you know, the Bing Crosby, Julie Andrews, Peter, Paul and Mary, you know, James Taylor, his new one's pretty good. So yeah, we've, we've got a lot of Christmas CDs, but I would say those are, those are the favorites. Um, for the Messiah, though, we haven't even talked about the Messiah. No, we haven't. Um, yeah, I I raised my kids on the one that I mentioned in Hallelujah, which is the Academy of Ancient Music with Christopher Hogwood and Emma Kirkby, who's mm. a wonderful Baroque soprano. But it's you know it's a it's done on period instruments. It's not the big overblown you know Mormon Tabernacle Choir huge yes. symphony yeah. modern version it's quieter and it's smaller and it's uh probably more like Handel heard it but yes. I think it's it's more accessible for children mm-hmm. yes it is quite simple in its originality um when it's not orchestral completely um and I like those versions too that's really my my favorite is the London Philharmonic and they use the very first libretto and it's very much in keeping with the the whole early vision of the of Messiah I love that. Now I do have my days where I want the big, yes, the big production, and for that I, I go back to Kathleen Battle. I like Andrew Davis with the Toronto Symphony. Um, it's that to me is just you can't beat that one. It's just perfect. But but we did use the more Baroque um, recordings of it when the children were small, and partly because my goal was to take them to a sing-along. And in Dallas, we have the Dallas Box Society that does the uh, the very Baroque setting every year. And, and it's a sing-along and it's just wonderful. So as I, as I wrote about in the book, um, years and years ago, I, I couldn't wait to do this, but we spent a fall semester memorizing the scriptures that were used in, in the Messiah libretto. Mm-hmm. And I didn't tell the kids what I was building up to. I just pulled those scriptures out and that was our scripture memory work. And we used it for copy work and dictation and recitation that fall. 
And then, uh, you know, about November, I started sneaking on the, the um, Academy of Ancient Music recording while we were eating dinner on Saturday night and cleaning up the kitchen. And then we started working on uh, different pieces, you know, different um, pieces of the oratorio. And they just gradually picked up um, a lot of it. And then that, uh, that December, we went out to hear a performance. And there's a, there's a really sweet part of this. We had a, a contractor working on our house. He worked on our house off and on for five years. We bought a house that needed to be renovated. And he, he grew up in very, very rural part of Oklahoma. Um, I think grew up fairly poor, rough life, uh, grew up without a father, and he was he was a great contractor, sweet sweet guy. Drank too much, uh, very lonely in his life, and he became very attached to us. So that Christmas, we invited him to come to the Messiah with us to this sing along. And, you know, I told him you're going to need to bring a change of clothes. And and do you know anything about this? No, he had never heard Handel, anything Handel. He had never heard the Messiah. He had played in rock bands. And he had been like a sound engineer for um, the Beach Boys and stuff like that. So very much, you know, rock oriented and rough around the edges. And we took him out to this Messiah performance. And I remember looking down the pew at him and his face was just, I mean, his jaw was on the floor. Mm-hmm. He had never heard anything like that. And he had the, the score in his hand. And trying to sing along, but several times I looked over at him and just he tears just rolling down his face. And he was speechless. He'd never heard anything like that in his life. And that was, goodness, that was 20 years ago, 15 maybe. And he calls us every Christmas and he's moved far away now, but he calls us every Christmas and he talks about that Mm. and how transforming that was for him that he didn't know music could sound like that and how much he loved it and that now he listens to the messiah himself and it's just that was just a wonderful thing but my daughter claire told me this week that that semester that fall semester that we spent getting ready to go do the sing-along she said that was that was the semester that she knows um inspired this a passion for vocal performance Mm. and and she studied voice in college and is still just got the voice of an angel but she said it all started right there so it's a it's a powerful powerful piece and um Mm. I, i particularly love the way it it points us backwards to the fulfillment of the prophecies of you know of the christ child's birth but it also the Messiah also points us forward to, you know, he's coming again. Yes, yes. And that's, uh, it's just all there, isn't it? Yeah, we've talked about that before, and we need to wrap things up here. But it is wonderful that um, some people listen to the Messiah at Easter, which is a perfectly legitimate thing to do, because it ends at that triumphant place. But I like to get it all in at Christmas because, um, <laughs> for one thing, I don't want to miss out and, for you know, let things go by the wayside. But the other thing is, it's still entirely appropriate to move on to um, and to end with that glorious um, um, 
ending of the whole thing, which is still very, very festive. Um, well, Lynn, we have probably got to wrap things up here. We've got, um, we could, I, I feel like we could go on and on and we, we want yeah. to have you back on. I had a hard time twisting your arm to get you <laughs> on the mason jar. And see. How many years has the mason jar been rolling? I don't know, like two or three. I'm not sure. But. <laughs> well, that's, that's how long you've been trying to get me on here. And that's how long I've been yeah, I saying think, nah. <laughs> I think you were the first person I asked. So this is a moral yes. triumph for me, uh, listeners. <laughs> um, and now, and, and maybe some other time we were thinking about having you come back and talk, talking about homeschooling through some hard times because many, many families do that. So we won't talk about that today, but. Um, no, but we can sure talk about that, can't we? Yes, we can. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, when you reach a certain age, I guess you, you can talk about that because everybody eventually has some hardships but that aside um thank you so much for coming on oh it's just been great i've enjoyed it i've enjoyed it so much um i've enjoyed listening to your stories and uh, telling mine and um hope everybody if you're interested you can pick up the book hallelujah a journey through um advent with handles messiah and um and you'll, Lynn has a beautiful piece in there that you'll really enjoy reading. So oh, it's just a wonderful book. The whole book is wonderful. I have so enjoyed just just sitting and reading that book and getting it inspired. And I just love it. You did a great, great thing there, Cindy, putting that book together. Yeah, and that everybody it, needs it. Yeah, it was just born out of just the the, the life that we live. So um, anyway, um, well, thank you very much, Lynn. I appreciate it. Thank you, Cindy. It's been great.